Welcome to Frameline. I'm Barbara Gosowski here as usual with my favorite critic, Courtney Small. Hello, how are you doing today? Great. How are you? I am doing well. You know, starting off the year with some film festivals, so we're already tired and uh, the year's <laughs> just begun. <laughs> Is it over yet? <laughs> <laughs> it's all it's the love, the love of cinema that keeps us going. <laughs> so, okay, so we've watched already some of the best films of 2024 and uh, yeah it's like barely February so <laughs> but the good thing is this is like your insight into things to watch out films to watch out for in the coming hopefully just year in the coming year not hope sometimes they take them a while and it takes two years but let's just say in the coming year watch out for some of these we're going to start off with one of my favorites of the festival. Well, before before you even dive in, we should let them know which festival we were oh, covering. Because <laughs> the, the festival hangover, we're still a little tired, but uh, we were covering the 2024 Sundance Film Festival. Um, so we're going to be talking about some of the films that, that played there. <laughs> Thank you for catching that. See, this is why you're my favorite. <laughs> Okay, so here's some highlights from Sundance 2024, including, like I was saying, one of my favorites of the festival, something that got a lot of buzz, a film called Exhibiting Forgiveness. It stars Andre Holland and Andra, Andra Day. And the film takes us into this world, into the to the world of this this artist, uh, a painter who's on the path to success. Uh, things are going well for his career. Things are going well at home with his beautiful wife, and uh, she's about to like launch her music career. So there's this like wonderful like relationship that they have. They have this amazing, adorable son, and he's his career. Like I said, his painting career. They want. They want to launch another uh, exhibit of his paintings. Uh, he's such a hit. But all of this suddenly gets derailed by a visit from his father. He's a strange father. And we start learning the circumstances of the hostility that this man feels towards his father and what exactly happened to drive them apart, what exactly is going on with this man, because uh, we see in the film the things that he's trying to work out in his dreams, in his life, in his relationships, but also in his paintings, and that the film really like works through a lot of things uh, by showing us what he's working through in the paintings. And so it has this fascinating um, like artist's insight like insight into his art and how it's informed by his life but also invites us in to see this this process that he undergoes and it starts to ask questions about forgiveness which i think are so universal i mean when it comes to families uh, when it comes to all sorts of relationships there's like things are complicated and they're messy and uh, it's not always easy I don't I don't want to ruin too much, but anyway, and Andre Holland is amazing in this role. He just gives all in this role, um, really propelling film forward. 
and the film just moves like it's just got this amazing pace and it just moves 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 i can't i can't wait to talk in more depth when it comes out yes i i completely agree with you this is a Great film it was one of my favorites of the the festival, and I think some aspects of it were semi autobiographical or loosely autobiographical um, from the director Titus uh, Kafar, and I believe he's an artist as well. Um, so I think the way how this film incorporates uh, the paintings and the artistic vision with the the hurt of the the past, I think, is quite fascinating. And one of the interesting things about this film that I found is it is a very much a film about forgiveness, but it also touches on the real aspect that forgiving someone is really hard. And sometimes even to get to a point where you partially forgive feels like you've gone up a mountain. Um, it, yeah. like I, I, I like that this one didn't go the, the ways that you think it might. Um, and I think part of that is because there's just so much raw emotion in the film that yeah. we can all identify with the anger that um, Hall, Holland's character Terrell is, is feeling. And I think it also works because his parents the um the portrayal of the parents is so authentic that i think it really works like his father Laurent, who is played by john earl jelks and i think he steals a lot of the scenes in, in this film partly because he has to play the verbally abusive you know society has done me wrong type of father but then you also see him as the addiction is taking over the later stage so you, you see so many different facets of the father that by the time the father and son reconnect you feel like you've already lived a lifetime with them and you kind of understand the conflict and then when you throw in the mother who's played by um, ingenue ellis taylor who people might remember from Origin or um, King Richard, that adds a whole other dynamic because you have both the unconditional love of a wife uh, for her husband, even though the husband has done a lot of bad things, but then also the the sense of guilt of knowing that due to addiction, sometimes you your love and your faith will allow you to ignore really problematic things or put people you love in really dangerous situations all under the guise of well the lord is telling me to do x y and z um you know and there's subtle commentaries on how i guess religion tends to mask a lot of or it tends to be used as an excuse to kind of mask a lot of our indecision so there's so many different layers and yet it all works and by the time you walk away with this film you're really thinking a lot about yourself these characters but also just how do we go about forgiving people who do some things that we might deem un unforgivable? So I thought it was a really, really powerful film. Yeah, and and that's especially what I really liked. It wasn't just the strength of the characters and the complexities of the characters, but the complexity of the the issue of forgiveness, mm -hmm. the complexities of the situation that it's presenting, of the history, the family history of the past, of their relationships but also the complexity of forgiveness when, you know, um, it's not always easy 
to forgive someone and so many movies are like there's always that arc of you know conflict oh you know uh facing up to facing that that person from your past and then learning to forgive it's like that is a tired old trope and this this just blows that apart and just goes well it, it, it's messier than that right mm-hmm. and it doesn't this film doesn't give you any easy answers and that's why I, I really appreciated it and, and thought it was so, so very effective. And I hope a lot of people see it. Mm-hmm. Speaking of forgiveness connections, let's talk about Suho. I, I know that was one that was uh, high on your, your list. So do you want to tell audience about that one? Yeah, I mean, sometimes when I think of, of Sundance 2024, I think Suho's my favorite. Uh, favorite, you know, in, in terms of like the the best film that I saw, um, because I, I like exhibiting forgiveness. Like exhibiting forgiveness and Suho are so neck and neck. It's like really hard to make a decision, <laughs> and it's like don't make me choose between my children. You know, <laughs> um, these are like complicated films, and this one is also. Uh, it's started by a father-son relationship. Fathers and sons, for me, I, I don't know if it was the way I was choosing films, but this was a um, the father's uh, relationships with their children were like a it big was a lot, a lot at Sundance this year. Going on, yeah, or maybe people are just finally ready to, to like take that on and and talk about their fathers and their relationships, right? Um, but this is a, a, a film that starts off with um, he, the character is a cartel gunman, right? And he has a four-year-old son and he adores the child and Suho is the child. And, um, but you can see that there's something shady going on and eventually, like, I'm not, no spoiler here. It just tells you right away in the description, the father's killed. And so um, the film takes you through uh, what happens to Suho and how people take care of him and how he grows and, and the situations and stuff that he grows up in um, after that. And and in in the reality of this Mexican countryside village with the reality of the cartel life, uh, but there's also other things that are happening, you know, in a countryside. It's like, I think, I think it's kind of universal. Like I think of my background in the countryside, there's like, it's not unusual to have things like, okay, religion or superstition, or in this case, witchcraft. Like there's all these kind of like forces at play and fate. And and this film sort of takes all of that together and, and sort of weaves it all together uh, for this like more complicated vision of a life and, a bunch of people's lives and um even even this like mystical like connection with nature and the natural world and what happens when you're taken out of the natural world what happens when you're in there and what happens when you're so closely in in that um but also yeah fate and destiny because you know suho is this cartel gunman's son and there it is the cartel is all the wilderness is all around him, but the cartel is also all around him as well. And sort of like how that affects things and uh, the relationship of the women and, and the, the kind of power that they have. They actually do have some 
in this situation. Um, and this it's this sort of like investigation of can they sort of heal? Can they sort of get people through this despite all this going on? There's so much going on in Suho as well. Um, it's, it's an incredible film. And this, this got an award from the jury. So, you know, this, this one will be talked about a lot too. Yeah. A lot of people have been raving about this film. I wasn't as taken with it as everyone else um, seems to be. And I think I've been trying to, I've been wrestling with why this one didn't quite connect because usually this type of subject matter is um, in my wheelhouse, but I think, for me, it had to do with the the pacing. Um, like it, it, the, it felt a lot longer than it actually was, um, and there were certain sections. To me, you know, it, in my opinion, it, uh, there were certain sections that didn't didn't work as well. Like I found the stuff towards the end with the teacher fascinating. The part in the middle. Um, uh, with the oh, I'm forgetting the names now. I think it was Jai and Jerry. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting the names. This is one of those films where they break it down into chapters, and I think chapter or part two and four wasn't as interesting as one and three. Like it's for me, just um, it didn't quite can. I I can see why people love it, and there was a couple of films that I wrote down in my notes. I'm gonna have to uh, watch this again outside of a festival French setting and I think that this is one that I probably need to watch again with uh, much clearer eyes than I did during the, the festival grind. Well I'm hoping that when you do you 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 get um, a feel for the electric this film the atmosphere is actually electric with all these different elements um, and yeah it's a subtler slower kind of thing but it, it's it's nevertheless it's there it's like like I said I can't stop using the word electric, so I'll just stop. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we, no, have no, we have a lot to talk about. But yeah, no, no, that's fine. There's so much. Okay. And it and for me, like how you responded to Suho is how I responded to uh, a film called Tenderberry. And it is, I believe, the feature debut from writer-director Haley Elizabeth Anderson. And it is a film that is set in New York. A lot of it takes place around Coney Island. And it's part love letter to New York, part contemplation on life um, and having to kind of find your way and make decisions. And then also a lot, there's a, a huge section of it that's contemplating like the, the fleeting nature of our existence and the people we meet along the way who essentially kind of stick with us locked in a moment of time. Um, as the world is constantly evolving. So, you know, we all have friendships that either run their course or people that kind of come through your lives are impactful. And then like a year later, they're gone. But that memory is still there. And it's this film centers around a young woman named Dakota, um, played by Coda Johan, who I believe is a, a musician herself. And Dakota's character basically is struggling for money. She's working at a convenience store. She likes to sing on the the subway for for extra money and the one kind of good thing in her life is her boyfriend but then the boyfriend has to go back to the ukraine when his father becomes ill so she essentially has to kind of navigate you know life in new york 
on her own without him to be there. And once that kind of love of your life, that support is gone, how do you navigate a world where essentially she doesn't have that many close friends? Like her closest friend is one of her coworkers and stuff. So the way how the film follows her progression over the course of a year, it mixes in documentary footage. Like there's um, this whole little side stuff about a person, I believe the name was like uh, Nathan Silverman, who used to record all everything he did. And you can find those old recordings on, on YouTube. So there's just little various elements. You learn a bit about the characters, um, history. Uh, I think she's from like Haitian and all of that. And it's just done in a really exciting way. Like you, you get the sense that you're watching a, a new talent emerge like this film takes a lot of risk i don't know if they always work but they're exciting to see um and i think with the previous film there was a lot of wonderful shots but i didn't have that kind of electric buzz that you have whereas with tenderberry it was one that i was actually was one of those little discoveries that i don't know if it will blossom into anything greater but I, i'm really excited to see what anderson does next in her film career because i think she has a, a lot of talent Sounds great. I can't wait to see that one. Uh, let's move to one that let's switch gears because I know we both saw this one. Let's hop to documentaries because there was a lot of great docs playing at Sundance. Do you want to talk about Daughters? Because I know that's one that we we both saw. Yeah, I, I, this is again another one of my top films. Um, Daughters is a documentary about a uh, program in the states uh, for incarcerated fathers and their 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 daughters specifically um, and it centers around the father-daughter dance and i say it centers around because there's a whole program where the fathers um have to go through kind of a counseling kind of series of counseling sessions like a group therapy type thing where uh, someone uh, this counselor talks to them about fatherhood, responsibilities of fatherhood, things like that. But they also get to talk with each other. And they, they so the documentary is great in the, in the way that it sets up the program, uh, the woman behind the program, why she did it. Uh, and it's kind of magical the way she describes her because she's like, daughters will tell you. Daughters have a special relationship with their fathers and they will tell you what they need. You just need to listen. Um, and that, I thought that's like a really special insight. And um, and so again, like we're talking about dads and, and we're talking about uh, that kind of special bond. Um, and these, these films are like really getting into, and so this one really gets into it because it's a documentary and it focuses on four of the daughters. And, um, and what they go through, and it follows them over the course of the years. It follows the fathers as well. It, it follows the progress from the start of the program into the father-daughter dance, but it follows their progress after that as well. And there's so much in terms of insight into the justice system. There's so much, like, in not just relationships. There's so, like, there's so many levels in this film. Um, but there's also, like it's like a ripple effect that's coming out of the film. There's sort of like the justice system, um, what happens in communities, what happens when there's no engagement, um, what happens when when 
people are sort of like abandoned, like they're given, they're, they're stuck in a community with no hope, that kind of, you know, and, and so there's a lot of food for thought that comes emanating out of this, this one program and this experience of these four girls and their fathers um, that I think makes this like an absolutely incredible experience, but also like an absolutely critical film to, to see for everyone to see. And I just can't wait. It, it got an, uh, like it got the audience award. It got an audience award in its category, but then it got the overall festival favorite. Um, and I'm not surprised. So I, I'm hoping that means that you know it will be seen. No, I, I think so. I, um, this was a, a, a wonderful film and I think, the directors uh, Natalie Ray and Angela Patton do a wonderful job with this. And at first, I was a little hesitant simply because um, Angela Patton is she's co-directing this, but she's also one of the key figures for the um, I think her company's Girls for Change or Girls for a Change that kind of works with the daughters and the fathers and stuff. So I wasn't sure if this was going to kind of be like a you know, hey, a promotional thing for a business. Like, no, this is actually a really fascinating look at um, relationships, as you said, the importance between father-daughter relationships, but also how the justice system has such a powerful ripple effect on on everyone. And as one person noted, it's not just the fathers that are being imprisoned. Like, the mothers have to now raise these daughters on their own. The daughters are dealing with this whole separation issue and, you know, one daughter didn't even know her father doesn't, you know, isn't allowed to see him in, in jail. So, and then even the capitalistic side of it, where something to like, even see to have a 15 minute visit, there's a certain cost attached to that. And if you want to, you know, go in and then sit in front of a video screen where well, you have to pay for that. If you want to do like a text, you've got it. Like there's so much money being made off of these individuals while they're in jail. And the families are the ones who are, you know, struggling to to manage the cost. And the fact that there's no touch visits allowed. It's becoming mm -hmm. a rarer and rarer thing, which I had no idea about. And I thought, what is the what is the purpose of this? What possible yeah, yeah. good could that serve for you? First of all, not to see someone face to face. That's your family. And second of all, just like, at least while the guard is watching you, like touch their hand. Yeah. You can't even touch their hand. Like it's, it's, it's becoming a lot colder. And I, and I feel part of that. It's also because of the, the financial aspect to it. Like they're finding but ways also, to really make it. Yeah, but there's also something about the justice system becoming colder and and more um, the way that it's punishing people is becoming harsher and harsher because that kind of effect, the kind it punish the way it punishes the father is 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 huge. But the, and then the way it punishes the daughter, the children, and the mother if she's missing the the, the father, right? Like the whole family, like. The way it's punishing people and and as as some of the girls say like in the film we don't know what these men did they they may not be the worst criminals on the planet and yet this is the way they're they're being like dehumanized in a way you know mm -hmm. where you can't see a family member face to face 
Yeah, and right. I think it's no, no. It, I I think this That's also just my personal reaction. That was just like I couldn't I couldn't believe people were doing this to other people. Yeah, it, it's very shocking, but it's also I feel like there's also a a racial tinge to mm. the the punishment because obviously absolutely yeah absolutely all the fathers we are seeing in this program are black males and one of the things that they mention about this program is there's actually a really high success rate in terms of once these people go through this program and stuff and if they are released they don't come back to jail yet yeah when you keep instituting all these harsher things the no touch the you know lack of access people are most likely tend to repeat get out do bad things come back in so you know it's like that weird cycle so this film touches on so many different things and on top of that it's it's a really charming crowd pleaser because you really get to know these people like even myself my cold hearted self i got emotional <laughs> there's, there's one scene in the middle that oh. i got a little misty and then a little some- misty that's what I'm saying. And then something Good happened. Thing you and I were not side by side because well, you know what? I pulled out the tissues. Oh my god, they but you were see, flying. You didn't you didn't let me finish. There was a part oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, in sorry. the middle where I got misty. And then a few minutes later, something happened and I was full on ugly cry. Just like oh ball. and I was like, wait a minute, I'm a cold hooded individual. And this film warned, oh, no. warned me. Right? It was just like you all know the scene when you get to it because I'm pretty sure everyone yeah. is, will be bawling at that one scene. But yeah. it was one particular daughter who um, had, let's just say, hints of anger issues. Yeah. And then something happens, and like that, the anger completely disappears. And I was just, that was it. The floodgates go open. So yeah. this is a wonderful film. Highly, highly recommended. I think a lot yeah. of people will be uh, happy. I mean, obviously not the subject matter, but you'll it's it's a film that you'll uh, definitely please a lot of people and everyone will have a communal cry, which is sometimes what we need. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, let's change gears a little bit. And I'm going to talk about a film called Kneecap. Um, this is a Irish comedy and it's I don't even describe it is such a <laughs> unique it's a really exciting and fun film so apparently there's this irish rap group known as kneecap and the they are essentially playing a version of themselves in this film and it's all about how the group kneecap gets started and they're kind of bringing a new flavor to Northern Ireland because everyone thinks of only the troubles when they think of Northern Ireland. And through their use of punk, they are actually trying to preserve the authentic Irish language. So you've kind of got this train spotting esque type film where it's just high energy, lots of laughs. These guys are doing drugs, getting in trouble. But then you also have this kind of historical um, cultural battle between people trying various ways through proper political means um, and other activist means to have the Irish language be recognized when the English don't want it to. And one of the people who's using outside means is a one of the character's fathers who's played by Michael Fassbender. And he's an activist who essentially fakes his own death 
and is on the land for 10 years. And he thinks that is his form of, of protest. The longer he evades the law, the more he's standing up for, for Irish rights. But again, all that time he's away, that has an impact on his family. And similar to the last film, when you have that distance, you know, the children feel it, the, the spouses feel it. So you have all of this going on in the middle of this wonderful film about these three individuals, you know, two young lads or two young men and a slightly older music teacher who come together and forming this pop group that is running amok with the law. They're doing drugs and all this chaos is happening. And as I said, it has the energy of tra train spotting and it's so much fun. It was uh, a film that really, I was surprised by how much I was um, invigorated by it. And it also shows that hip hop as a genre of music can span cultures and also bring, not only bring people together, but help to um, help when fighting for, for a lot of bigger causes than the music itself. So I know it's a, a, a weird description of this film, but I'm trying not to spoil anything about it. Cause it's best if you no, just go it in. Sounds, <laughs> it sounds so enticing. I can't wait. Mm -hmm. It's it's a it's a fun one. It's a fun one. I I, I really um, enjoyed that. And keeping with the the comedic tone, um, I will just quickly say a few words about Selma. Uh, I think Thelma will come out, and a lot of people will will probably love it. But it's a acting comedy starring June Squibb, and I think it's June Squibb's first leading role in her career that spent like 70 years um, and in this one she plays a 93 uh, year old woman who gets tricked by one of those phone scams that says you know your grandson he's, he's been in an accident needs money for lawyer fees all of that type of stuff only to find out that her grandson is at home safe sleeping and she's already sent these scammers the money um, and her daughter who's played by Parker Posey and her husband um Clark Gregs, um, he they basically want to. They're deciding whether or not they should put her in a nursing home, and she's not having that. So she just decides she's going to go on a mission, like Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible, which she finally <laughs> finally wants with her grandson, and she's going to get some money back. So a lot of the film is basically Thelma and her. Uh, friend Ben, who is played by Richard Roundtree in one of his last roles, and Richard Roundtree's in retirement home, but he has a scooter. So they go on this journey within the city to try and get her money back. And the film plays a lot of the like the chin ropes that you would expect, but it's it in the the framework of someone who is much older. So things don't necessarily go the way you, you expect. Like, you know, there's a scene where she does the dramatic roll over something to get the information. But for her, it's a really slow roll across the bed. It was 93. Uh, but it's just a really funny film, you know, fun action comedy. But also, he's interesting things to say about how we tend to treat the elderly like infants. We tend to infantize them. And there's a juxtaposition between how Thelma's children, or specifically Parker Posey's character, treats her and how the whole family wants her to always be safe and wear these medical alert stuff. But then they're also um, helicopter parenting 
the grandson who's like in his 20s and he should be able to move about but he can't do anything because he's lived a life that's been you know so much uh, control so it's a really fascinating thing it doesn't make fun of the elderly like there are certain jokes related to it but i never felt like they were making the the older generation the butt of the jokes like it it, it felt like it truly was a love letter to um this generation and how we really should give our grandmothers a hug because they're wonderful wonderful people so uh, i really recommend thelma for a a fun type of film uh do you want to talk about sebastian not necessarily a comedy uh, but it's definitely a interesting film oh it's that it's um it's an amazing conceit i think i mean it's it's simple and you'd think someone would have thought of it already by now right but it's um a struggling aspiring he's only 25 this writer max he's living in london and he he's like desperate to try and break out of the short film form he wants to write his first novel so um he decides to start working as a sex worker because he wants his character to be a sex worker and so in order to do uh, the, the best job he needs the experience right and uh, he, he figures it'll help him right from that point of view um but there's a he's he's always like a little reticent he's not reticent when it comes to the work the sex work he's reticent when he's writing um and not writing about the experiences it's just that you know you, you see like his friend or you see an editor or you see like his feedback is the feedback he's he's always getting is you know you could push it a little more you could push it a little more or you know have you tried like don't write it in the third person try it in the second try it in the first person you know like and and there's always like so the film positions him as even though he's involved in the in in his experiences he's there he's right there we can see it we're following along with him um but there's always like he's still like an observer because he's having these experiences and then he goes and records them like he goes and he writes them down so it's like are you really present in these experiences but are you really present in your life because the more he works as a sex worker the less engaged he is in his day job which you know it's not the most exciting well it, it is it's kind of like he's trying to be a freelancer but um he's getting more and more disengaged from the people around him in his real life so like the, the process that that he undergoes i thought i thought was fascinating because like we're following this character and the, the film follows this character arc and I found it like an interest, a really interesting. It took some like unexpected turns, and I really felt like it gave me a, like a really satisfying conclusion. Mm -hmm. It's not a bad answer, you know. No, no, it's it's an I. I'm kind of torn on this one because there's a lot of it, a lot about it that I liked, and for a good portion of the film, I was quite with. And I think what I really found fascinating was how um the main character marks how he becomes obsessed with 
social media and the internet. Um, in many ways, he is using the internet to hook up with people to sell himself, if you will, um, uh, and one aspect. But then he's always worried about the competition. Oh, someone else has gotten more likes on photo. Someone's photo, you know, someone has more better biceps than me. And that insecurity also impacts a lot of other aspects of his his life. And I thought that was quite fascinating um, because it also makes his the arc of him writing this novel it has a different layer to it as well. Because on one hand, he's you know feeling so great when he's reading up the samples in his group classes work what have you and you know everyone's praising but then the the slightest judgment and he recoils because again he's got that that internet online stuff in real life oh no uh, anything slightly challenging i i don't know how to handle so i thought that stuff was was quite fascinating there was just moments especially towards the end where he was starting to make decisions that I didn't quite I didn't quite understand why he would um and there's like a, a pivotal scene where he is with a particular client and decides it's a good time to start writing his um <laughs> you know some chapters in his book and I was like well why would you do that at that time like why would you even carry your laptop in that situation like it, there was just there was a couple of times where he would make a choice and I didn't necessarily feel like it was quite honest with the full character. But then having said that, I also liked that when there are certain things that happen, we would see him, let's say at, at a group party. And then it's only when he's writing about the group party that we actually get the full story of what happened there. Like there's certain stylistic things that I quite liked. I just, I, I'm not sure about some of the character choices. So um, I found it really interesting, but again, I was I was torn on. It. That's another one that might have to be the. I'm gonna have to watch that one again. Yeah, but for me, it was all about his level of engagement with life, you know. And and it's complicated by the fact that now he's leading a double life, and so that may be where some of that is coming from. But mm, mm -hmm. don't want to ruin it for anybody. Yes, yes, it was uh definitely one that I think it will will get talking do you want to um talk about agent of happiness oh, agent of happiness i mean i kind of laugh but it's not it's not like a funny documentary but the concept is in my mind it's kind of whimsical it's like the bhutanese the bhutanese government uh wants to measure people's happiness so they hire a bunch of agents and they send them off into the himalayan mountains uh to talk to people um, and they have the, the government of Bhutan has developed like a way to score <clears throat> this and like a formula and like the whole the whole shebang. It's very mathematical and like there's an equation and all that. And we're following these two agents. Uh, mostly, we it's we're, the film's focused on one of them. That's why it's called Agent of Happiness. Um, but we're following. So so sometimes it's. Um, it's like a road movie. It's the film is very is a, a verite style of documentary, right? So it's like a verite road movie, but then it starts to, to pause and give us these portraits 
of people in, and interweaving a portrait of this one agent. Um, and I'm not going to mangle his name. It looks like Amber in English, but I'm sure that's not how you pronounce it. So yeah, as they're talking to people and interviewing them and trying to write down their like, and, uh, a scale on a scale of one to 10, you know, how do you rate this? How do you rate that? How many cows do you have? Do you have a tractor? Do you have, you know, all of that is going into their happiness score. As they're doing that, the, the camera is like taking in the, the details of the people and the place and the, you know, it's like building up these details. So it's giving you this amazing sense of, of life there, but it's also got a universality. Like it's got a specificity, but it's got a universality as well, because as the more people are sharing their lives, you know, and that, and then that's where, you know, you start seeing this weird relationship with the score because the questions that they're asking versus what these people are telling them, there's sometimes there's a conflict. Sometimes there's this tension and sometimes you're just like, what, what is this, 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 this score? What is this formula? What is this? And then it shows you, it, you know, it'll, it'll have a, a, like a portrait that'll just stop for something that looks like a still of this person or these people in the family and it'll show you the happiness score <laughs> but each time it has different things like number of tractors are is a factor in some of the scores and or level of engagement with society is a factor in other scores do you know what i mean so mm -hmm. it's this like weird random mix of things which actually the randomness of it starts making much more sense than these questions um anyway it's it's really got to be experienced um i think it's it's a it's a delightful film even though there is there are some hard things to hear in the film sometimes uh sometimes it, like it's got it's got the full spectrum of human experience in it like the great the wonderful the warm the happy the sad the lonely the, the all of it it's all in there mm -hmm. that's life that's all i can say Okay, well, I'm going to talk about another documentary uh, that I would say for at least us in North America hits quite close to home, and that is Union. It's a film directed by Brett Story and Stephen Mang, and it actually talks about Chris Small's um, journey and, and fellow workers at Amazon to create the first union in um, Amazon history and how when it starts off um, Chris Moss has already been fired from from Amazon but he's still fighting to to form a union so it shows how he and a team a few people who have been let go from Amazon and others who are current workers at Amazon are fighting to get this union created but they need a certain amount i think they need like 30 percent of the employees to sign on to at least have a vote as to whether or not they want a union and over the course of this film you see how they try everything to try and um, drum up support get the word out there but also they're fighting against a massive corporation so while they're out there handing out flyers and hot dogs trying to you know get people to 
get a little more insight on what the union does, how it would benefit them. Amazon from pretty much from like when they're onboarding new people are having these sessions that are basically saying, hey, you might have heard this thing about a union. You don't want to do that. You know, it's bad for you for this, this and this. And then they talk about how, you know, people are treated poorly um, or getting written up for the, the smallest of things. And especially those who are seen talking to the union miraculously start getting reprimanded for for the the smallest of infractions you know and it's it's a really fascinating david versus goliath tale um where you know it, it starts off with an image of jeff bezos in a in a ship going to the moon you know just so you're like how much money is being spent and where all this money is going but you have these people who are struggling to survive some of them are traveling close to three hours one way just to get to work um and you've got to think about the fees the the child care all of this which is not getting covered by their pay and then especially with seasonal workers there's a particular stat where they talk about the turnover at amazon and i think it was close to 60 percent um and that's not just seasonal workers like this in terms of they are turning people out you know and by turning them out so quickly you don't necessarily have to cover a lot of a lot of things um so it, it's it's quite fascinating there's a lot of drama there's a lot of tension and then also in this film even though he has a tight team you start to see the cracks begin to form and certain people who were pro-union are now speaking out because at some point People get it in their minds that, oh, well, the Teamsters and all these other unions will come in and they will help us. And Chris and his team is like, they're not going to help you. They haven't come yet. They're not going to come. So it's that, well, don't worry. We'll wait for the, someone more established. And then there's also some racism that occurs where they kind of use Chris Smalls as a black man who you see like often wearing a hat backwards, what have you, they make it seem like he's not educated enough to to lead it. And then what happens when you have your union dues, who, where does that money go? What's he going to do with that money? So there's a lot of manipulation um, that's that's going on. And it's a, a really fascinating film that even if you know how it turns out, there's still a lot more that occurs on after what you think you know which makes you realize that amazon is how do i put this nicely they they are going to fight tooth and nail to to stop that because it doesn't um benefit their their pocketbooks and i'll just leave it at that but definitely union is uh highly recommended so it's a wonderful documentary that sounds very scary the situation mm. <laughs> not the documentary yeah yeah you, you you'll you'll think a lot about it when you're you know, if you get those Amazon packages, and it's, after you see that film, you're like, oh, I, I look at these boxes slightly, slightly differently now. Um, do you want to talk about Didi? That was another one that I believe a lot of people were raving about. Oh, yeah, Didi. Didi is like a completely, uh, it's kind of a breath of fresh air, even though like poor Didi, he goes through a lot. Um, but it's a breath of fresh air because it's got the spirit of this like 13-year-old 
human, you know, and there's a lot of energy in the film, which the, well, he's got a lot of energy, but also the, the film's got a lot of energy. And that's always like really refreshing. I think it's a first film. So it's like, you know, um, he's very impressionist, impressionable. He's very impressionable. And uh, he's, he's uh, like I said, a 13 year old Taiwanese American boy. He's first generation. So, you know, there's those, those things where, you know, at home, things are very traditional. He's got that world. And then he goes to school or and his friends and everything. And then, he, you know, it's a, he's an American. So he's got those two different worlds to navigate. But he's also 13 years old, which means he's got the whole growing up thing and girls and social media and socializing. And this is at the beginning of social media. So he's like, He's obsessed with his computer, like anybody is now at 13 with social media. But he, um, it's it's really quite charming to look back and see like the kind of um, clunky visuals that were attached to instant messaging and and stuff, you know. And then Facebook was around and sort of like he's mediating his world. Yeah, is mediated through that. But also his friends, his his mother and grandmother, himself. He's trying to like figure it all out, and he has a crush on a girl, you know. And and all of this is going on, um, and he's trying to to figure out how he reconciles all these conflicting things because they all start to like compete, like his friends. Versus the girl, versus his, you know how he feels, versus what he wants to do, versus him just trying to like set up a sense of independence, yeah, you know, separate from his friends, and that like that's difficult when you have a group of friends and you're supposed to conform to that and to that sort of like um, to that clique where someone else is the leader, but you want to go off and be, you don't want to be a follower, you want to go off and be an independent do something else with other people it's like you've got to meet Didi everybody has to meet Didi like he's a one of a kind but he's also like a universal a universal 13 year old so yeah he's, he's quite great. charming that sounds, yeah. that sounds very good I know a lot of people were raving about that one so I yeah the energy that. of this film is really is like I said it's really amazing so like for for a director to capture all of that and put it together into this like flowing cohesive film that that still has that zing to it is is quite amazing and i know we're gonna um be talking about sundance again next episode because we saw we saw a lot um do you want to close things out with a brief history of family yeah okay so i mean talk about families <laughs> and then sort of like analyzing a person's position in a family uh Brief History of a Family is a much more serious film, and uh, it it really looks at post um, one child policy China. How and you, you it, it in a way in its way it's it analyzes like the effect of that policy, but it's about a, the story of friend, like a guy makes friends with someone um, under these weird, mysterious circumstances, but then they're explained. Um, but he, the friend he makes, you know, he brings him home and the parents meet him and then, you know, um, the friend, his 
life and his circumstances are very enigmatic, right? Um, and it, it seems he seems to be coming from a very different background than this family. So at first it seemed like the film was from the mysterious boys. And I'm going to call him the outsider. It seems to be from the outsider's point of view. Then he comes into this family and suddenly he's interacting with this family more and more and seems to want to be part of their interactions more. And as he is, we start the film starts looking at the dynamics and the tensions of this family, but it never goes into his family, which, you know, some people could see as a flaw, but I didn't because I was looking at it more in a noir kind of way, because sorry, that's kind of like a bias of mine is like, I started to see this noir thing going on because even the aesthetic of the film is very geometric. Like the way that the, that the frame is composed it's like everything is very geometric everything like there's like actual it's not just like blinds like you would get in in a noir film right just like that kind of like straight lines or a certain like design there's like the composition of the film is like everything's very there's uh, there's a lot of design oriented imagery um Everything seems very carefully constructed. Everything's like very conscious of design, of geometric form, pattern, all that. All the while, there's this like this constant, constant tension of this, this kid. And it there shouldn't be because it's just this kid interacting with his friend and the, and the friend's parents. And they are taking an interest in him. And he seems to be having struggles in life that they don't have they see they're more more middle class than he appears to be but only from his point of view and again like some people would see that as a flaw but to me it was like well no I'm sorry but as simplistic as it is this is the point of the film is like we don't know we never know and the payoff comes at the end when things like come to a head and you start seeing why um, in a way, you, in this limited way, it shows you the effects of this. But also, again, this this problem that they could only have the one child, that doesn't mean they necessarily wanted to only have the one child. Oh, yeah, that's right. Right? Interesting. Um, and so this other child comes into their life. And there's all these trade-offs happening in terms of what this guy's interested in versus what this guy's interested in his positive as his positive traits versus his positive traits, you know, and there's these like weird interrelationships start to happen and things get complicated. So for a very simple premise, it gets very complicated very quickly. And yeah, like I said, it's just, I'm uncanny. It was like really, unsettling and weird that I just felt like this constant tension the entire time but I wasn't always sure why but I'm not complaining about that mm -hmm. no I think that really added to the film the strength okay. of that's great that's one I, I will keep an eye out for as well um as I said we this is only part one of of our Sunday stop we've we've got a lot more exciting yeah 
Uh, this is just the highlights to too. About. Two shows of highlights. I mean, the, yeah, we yeah. Can talk saying, about, we can I'm talk think, about more. I'm thinking about some of the ones that uh, I will probably bring up next week, and they're up in my top tier as well. So, yeah, you know, it's there was a lot of good stuff at the the festival this year. Yes, it's a good year for cinema already. So I'm I'm really happy. I'm exhausted but happy. So, yes. <laughs> all right. Well, that's that's the way we started off. 2024. That's it for this edition of Frameline. For Courtney Small, I'm Barbara Gosowski. Thank you for listening.